Greg Hardy is still a big wank, and Zabit needs a bigger gas tank. With the fire selection and the fire reflections, this is fighting with myself. Oh oh, fighting with myself. Oh oh, oh yeah. Ba ba ba. Welcome to the Fighting with Myself podcast, the podcast for the average MMA fan, hosted by an above-average man. And I am that man. What's up, y'all? Man, uh, these early morning fight cards are good. I like waking up to violence. Don't get me wrong. And it is great to have your Saturday night free. But God damn it, if it doesn't throw me off. You'd think that a, uh, a, an early fight card with the rest of the night free, would then make it so that I can be prepared sooner. But no, without fail, every late fucking, or every early UFC card, it always takes me double the time the next day to get prepared. And I don't know why. I don't know why. But it, uh, but these fights were, were okay. They were pretty good. I would like to give the card like a... Like a C plus, maybe B minus. I'll say um, overall, um, not to to steal some shine from my from my boys at Combat Sports One Hundred and One. They like to do that um, every episode, but just kind of off the top of my head. Um, but I actually um, I saw someone tweet that the prelims were better than the main card, and I gotta for the most part agree. Um, it's weird. I was like, I was looking last week see what fights in the prelims I wanted to cover, and I was like, eh, maybe the Jessica Rose fight. That's about it. And, um, lo and behold, the prelims were better. We went up with a banger from fucking Davy Grant and, uh, Gregory Popoff. That was great. And Popoff came into the UFC with a lot of hype. And now he's 0-2, I think. Which is, uh, which is very interesting when, when, when someone starts their UFC career like that as like a touted prospect, right? And, uh, Davy Grant, uh, a lot of people were underestimating him, but I think he's, um, I think he's gonna, you know, bounce back. You know, he had a, he's had an interesting UFC run, but he, but he always uh, fucking comes to bang. Penny Kianzad versus Jessica Rose Clark was another good fight in my opinion, and I did not see their first fight in Invicta. I'm not gonna claim to be some you know WMMA historian or anything, and some of the listeners' podcasts are, and we love you for it, but that's not me. Um, however, uh, I was kind of a victim of, I want to say recency bias. Like Jessica Rose Clark has, has, um, I don't know. I've, I've liked her run in the UFC so far. I think she's put on some really fun fights and I was like, oh, she's got this, but Penny just had her number, man. I mean, I, I don't know. It was the, the reach or the hot, the size overall. They didn't look too, um, outmatched or or whatever the word is i'm looking for but it didn't look too out of place being in there wasn't like a flyweight fighting a featherweight it was like uh on the smaller side bantamweight versus a maybe on the bigger side bantamweight or an average bantamweight i mean it wasn't that bad and then a fight i was like kind of looking forward to just to see how he would do was uh david zawada versus abu bakar namagamedov of course the cousin of habib and were there tons of people tweeting, guys, he's not Khabib? Yes, there were. Were there tons of people also tweeting that um, under Magomedov, 
uh, went down by a triangle and it's foreshadowing? Yes. Was that me? Yes. Uh, and I don't care. Um, I'm not sitting here saying, oh, yeah, that they're like susceptible to that or whatever just because they're um, fucking related or whatever. I'm just um, I'm just having some fun. And that's what that, this fight was. It was fun. Um, in the um, During the Wonka, they were talking about how Zawada you know, does better when he has his brother in his corner and um, he's had an interesting UFC run. They were just kind of like hyping up Abu Bakr, especially in his home country. I was like, damn, this is going to be fucking a short night for Zawada or like a long night, you know, if you get my drift. And it turns out it was short in a good way. He sends that triangle up tight, dude. Almost switched to an armbar. I th- credit to Abu Bakr for not um, tapping to the that armbar within the triangle. I was like, oh shit. And then he kind of got out of it, but then sort of went right into the triangle and um, fucking tappy tap tap. Which, by the way, I'm not. Um, I don't like to shame people for tapping. It's like, you know, whatever. You know, you got to respect the submission. Like, uh, even if a a white belt and a black belt are rolling, if somehow a white belt catches a black belt, um, or even if they're just sort of, like, drilling, you gotta tap when the fucking choke is tight. So, that's it. Um, however, my favorite fight of the night, Carl Roberson versus Roman Noho Hank Kopilov. Now, if you watch the show Barry, you know what I'm talking about. That guy looks like fucking Noho Hank with a wig. And that is so accurate. And I don't like, look it up. Look up Barry Noho Hank. And you'll know who I'm talking about. Dude. Though he was also, that actor was also on that show Gotham. Um, I forget the name of his character. It's like a, an assassin kind of a character. But um, I love that actor. And that was a good fight, man. Carl Robeson was putting it on him. And then this fucking crazy ass copy love jams his fingers right in Carl's eye. Now, there's some people who like to um, live by or, um, I don't know, recite the phrase, if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. And that is absolutely not fucking acceptable in a combat sport. There are rules for a goddamn reason. Um, So I thought, uh, like, when they had to separate the fight and he fucking... He like stumbled back into the fence and then fell over. And I was like, whoa, what is wrong with this eye poke? Turns out when they brought in the doctor, the fucking claws of this Russian sliced open his eyelid and he was bleeding. It looked like blood was coming out of his eye because he had it closed, right? And once they opened it, they could tell it was from the eyelid, which is why they, I think they were able to have him continue. Uh, but it was just fucking madness. And then he... He just fucking took it to him. I was I was in my um, I was in my house like screaming. I was losing my mind. First of all, he's from Neptune, New Jersey, which is near me. It's a it's a cool area. And I was like, Neptune, stand up. So I was a fucking crackhead. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, I'm a, I'm a fan of Carl Robinson. Um, I liked how he stepped up on short notice to fight Glover Teixeira, and like went up a weight class. Um, and he's always delivered, man. He actually he had a good fight against. Um, Wellington Terman, who's who's coming up on this um, uh, next next week's fight card, and so uh, I'm always gonna root for Carl Robertson. He's a fucking class guy, and that uh, concludes the prelims as far as um, the highlights, anyway, of, of my favorite um, of those fights. 
Um, now, moving on to the main card. This light heavyweight fight opened the card. Shamil Gamzatov versus Klitson Farias de Abreu. Now, was this a stinker? Yes. Are most light heavyweight fights that open up a main card stinkers? Yes. The only one I can I can think of off the top of my head that wasn't, as far as like when they choose to open a main card with a light heavyweight fight, was fucking Thiago Santos versus Jimmy Manoa. Um, last sometime earlier this year or last year, I can't remember. Um, but it was um, that was a bomb ass fight. Other than that, dude, if you're opening the the main card with a light heavyweight fight, you can expect a fucking sloppy ass fight, and that's what that was. Um, but uh, Shamil gets the win, and then next up was Anthony Rocco Martin versus Ramazan Amiv. Now. When I was making my picks for this event, I went with mostly Russians. And I should have gone with the Russian in the first fight. Obviously, I think I picked Klitson because I like I fucked up his name. And I was like, oh, I got to go with that because I feel bad. But I should have been like, I should have taken that as a sign to be like, no, fuck him. <laughs> uh, just kidding. But um, obviously, I, I, I picked wrong on that one. And then I was like, oh, Anthony Rocco Martin coming into Moscow, taking on a, a fucking Russian. He's going down. And uh, shame on me, I guess, because he put it on him. I don't know what the fuck was possessing him. Anytime he ate a one-two or anything, that he would just kind of stumble back, and then he would then turn into like Anthony Pettis when he fought Tony Ferguson, just like stick his tongue out, and be like ah, and just kind of push forward. Um, I guess um, maybe Kayla Harrison had said that, like you're not getting any if you don't win this fight, and so he's like, I need to win this fight. Um, but. Um, Bad joke on uh, on that, but the real reason we come to find out in his post fight interview is that his mom is dealing with stage four breast cancer. Now, if you listen to this podcast, you know that cancer is a big part of my family um, or my story anyway. Uh, I'm a two time cancer survivor, and my mom actually beat cancer before I was born as well. So when I heard that, I was like. Rocco Martin and I was not I'm not been the biggest fan of his lately and that's why I picked against him but I was like dude I'm picking you every single fight from now on and that's it like plus the way he fought was was incredible it wasn't just the the post fight interview it, it was the way he fought it was actually like a, a similar thing happened when um Julia Avila made her her debut um she was fucking gangster and then she shouted out um one of her coaches or um one of her i don't know friends or something that was dealing with cancer and i was like i'm gonna root for you from now on always and uh i'm a softy like that i'm gonna have no problem admitting it now what i did get right was fucking ed herman beating uh uh hadis ibrahimov and Ed Herman fights are are fucking they deliver as well. Like he's a veteran, he's he's not going to point fight. He's coming to take your head off. But he had a, a smart game plan as well to let the other guy tire himself out and, and just have good defense. Uh, there was a couple times where the other guy had success, where where Cuddy's had success. But for the most part, it was it was Ed Herman looking like a sunburnt ginger, covered in blood, pushing forward. I loved every second of this fight. And then we move on to Danny Roberts versus Zalim Imadayev. Now, this is another one where I, I fucking picked the Russian because I was like, oh, yeah, they're sending all these Russians up to, to, to win, you know. And God damn it, 
I should have picked Danny Roberts. I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, but leaning into this, I was like, you know, I'm a Danny Roberts fan. I might have even picked Danny on the podcast. But when I went to make my picks for this goddamn championship that I'm in, I was like, mm, Zaleem's going to do it. But I, And I forgot that I was like talking to Buddy and Ricky, the MMA marks. I was about to fucking gloat when we were talking. I was like, ha-ha, and I look, look at my picks, and I fucking picked Zaleem, dude. Jesus. Um, but Danny Roberts with a sick knockout, and the Russian crowd just... Silence. They are so petty. They are so petty. It was so funny. Anytime a Russian lose, it would be like absolute silence. Come on, y'all can clap a little bit. Um, um, and then when he when he uh, gets done with his uh, post fight interview at the end, he goes "Спасибо, Russia" or whatever he said. "Спасибо" is thank you in Russian, and like fifty of them cheer like yeah. <laughs> I bet those people got fucking their asses kicked in the stands too. Like don't cheer for him. Fuck him. He killed that boy. Um, but the Russian who I wanted to win and did was Alexander Volkov, dude. Now, a lot of people saying they took he took it easy on Greg Hardy. I kind of feel like that might be true. But you got to remember he's coming off a knockout loss over Derek Lewis where he was beating Derek from pillar to post and kind of got cocky a little bit and rushed him. And great, uh, Lewis was able to capitalize. And so a guy like Greg Hardy, while he hasn't shown that he has an incredible heart like Derek Lewis, um, he's certainly shown knockout power and explosiveness. Get those fast switch muscles from being a goddamn football player. Um, so I think he was playing a little bit safe there. He had a great um, game plan to to use the left high kick to neutralize Greg Hardy's right, uh, right hand. Um, Bisping did a similar game plan against Hendo the second time. Um, and... Uh, Apparently broke Hardy, Greg Hardy's fucking hand, which I'm with Steffi uh, Haynes, Crooklyn MMA. I'm like, I need to see x-rays before we, before we can confirm that because I think maybe that's just trying to make him look good. But, um, you know, whatever. I'll, I'll, I'll believe it if we see the x-rays. I'll believe it when we see the receipts. Um, but uh, otherwise, a good win for Volkov. But man, I have a lot of fucking thoughts about this, and I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna save it for the forum because a lot of you guys are asking about this, and we gotta talk about this. Um, like, what's next for Volkov? What's next for Ricardi? There's a lot of questions uh, now um, to come out of this. And then it comes to the main event now: Zabit Magomed Sharipov versus Calvin Cater. We were promised this fight. It's a co-main event in Boston. There was some sort of injury or sickness. And then someone said it. I heard on the broadcast, I thought they said it was a staph infection. Huh. Kevin Lee fights with a staph infection every week, dude. Come on. Staph infection. Luke Rockhold apparently won a, won a world title on uh, with a staph infection. Which we're, gonna, we're actually going to get to later, dude. We're going to get to that. Huh. Don't you worry. This would not be an episode of Fighting With Myself if we don't shit all over Luke Rockhold. So you know me. Um, but being that the main event of this car was supposed to be Alexander Volkov versus Junior Dos Santos, J- JDS had an injury. Uh, I believe it was like a bacterial infection to his leg or a blood infection, something that, you know, saw, saw him in the hospital. Um, he's out. In comes Greg Hardy, which we know. Um, but but he wasn't ready for uh, five rounds, especially without his binky, also known as his inhaler. And so they had to move that to a co-main. But guess who also wasn't ready for five rounds? 
Zabit, apparently. Calvin was down for five rounds. They pushed for five rounds. And and honestly, I like what Calvin said when they asked him. They said, why, why isn't this fight five rounds? He said, Zabit has a good manager. So I don't know whether to blame Zabit or Ali for this. Certainly they didn't want him to go five rounds. That bitch was gassing in the third round. And if you don't think that, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe drinking the Kool-Aid. But that said, you know, he did look good for those first two rounds he was winning. I will give credit where credit is due. Um, he, Zabit has this thing, almost like a John Jones type ego of like wanting to beat someone at their game. So like he did throw some of those, sp- those spinning kicks and, and stuff like that he's known for, but I don't think he went for any takedowns. At least not a lot, maybe one. Um, I mean, he definitely got one at the end because he was fucking gassed. Um, and then Cal- Calvin Cater was beating him up from the bottom, dude. Can we talk about that? I was literally, I was seriously like, if this was a minute prior, the ref could fucking stop it from TKO. Calvin was wailing on him, and he was just holding on for dear life. But um, Zabit was, to, to, to my earlier point, Zabit was winning the boxing exchanges, and that's Calvin Cater's strongest uh, suit is his boxing. So credit to Mark Henry for for working on Zabit. Uh, well, I credit to Zabit. I'm not trying to discredit him, but um, definitely um, that's Mark Henry's influence there. And um, kudos to him for at least calling for a title shot because there's n- no way a title shot's not five rounds, you know, at least scheduled. So uh, we, we know that he's at least willing to do that just maybe with a longer camp or something i don't know um but personally i'd rather see the yair fight we were promised that fight um it's also two fighters that i um i'm not a fan of right now so um either one of them losing would be okay with me so i kind of feel like that's the fight to make and um i wouldn't hate them giving me a title shot I'm not, I'm not, i wouldn't cry you know um, favoritism or whatever because um, prior to a few months ago I was a little bit on the Zabit hype train I was at least I was at least driving next to it in my own in my own car I wasn't maybe on the train but I was headed in the same direction as the train you know I was thinking about getting on the train and then I took a fucking detour when this UC Boston news came out who took a detour um Although I was I was cheering against him at fucking two twenty three when he fought Kyle Bokniak because I love Kyle Bokniak and the way he just went after Zabit I was like yes yes and I was uh, I was like fucking cheering USA uh, at some point but overall USC Moscow was a pretty good card um, the pacing was was nice uh, I kind of hated that they weren't giving people interviews initially you know um, but. ESPN going to ESPN like why am I fucking paying for your streaming service and you put commercials in there that's a problem dude that's a big problem remember those fight pass cards remember the days remember when you could go on fight pass to watch it like the exclusive fight pass cards that were live on fight pass and you would watch it start to finish with no goddamn commercials unless it was a UFC promo and they interviewed fucking everybody and they showed all the walkouts. Man, those were the days. 
We had to put up with FS1 pacing and fucking six fight main cards and like just a bunch of bullshit with with that pacing. So ESPN has much better pacing. But if a card is on ESPN Plus exclusively, don't give us any goddamn commercials, dude. I don't want to see fucking Canelo's ass on my screen. Jesus. By the way, I'm a hater, if you didn't know. You already knew that. I'm drinking the hater aid. But overall, I liked it. I had fun. I'm going to still enjoy these fighters' careers. Well, the ones that won in the main and co-main anyway. Um, well, actually, all, all the, the winners of the main card, to be honest with you, and the prelims, the ones I mentioned. Yeah. Fucking hell. I guess that wraps up this segment. That was UFC Moscow. And without further ado, let's take a quick break and get us in some current events. And we're back. Yes, queen. Yes. That's for you, mixed man. And there will be more throughout the show. Just for fun. Um, the only piece of news I have here uh, to talk about is just a quick update on the Anaya Blanchard case. And I wanted to shout out um, Donnie Rocket and uh, Pure Evil MMA, my man Evil Eddie. That's his site. And uh, Donnie's been doing a good job of covering this story and providing updates. Um, I I was going to read read it out, but it's just better for you to go read it in your own words. I don't want to just spit that out, but I, uh, I do have some thoughts on this. Uh, it's seemingly like moved very quickly, but also... I feel like we're being withheld information from the authorities. I, I I don't know why I feel that. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist. Um, it just seems like they know more than they're willing to uh, say. And I don't know if that's protecting the suspect. You know, maybe they know Walt Harris would fuck that guy up if he found him. Um, so I really don't know. But the fact that they've now... Um, apprehended the guy uh so if you don't know um there was a suspect named his name is ibrahim yazid uh well i don't i think originally he was not named i think it was just he was identified as you know someone on the surveillance footage as being in the convenience store at the last time she was seen you know together and this is a guy who has a kidnapping charges on his record and so um they they found him they found her car um and it's just so sad, but they, they've they've apprehended him now. He, I guess he was in Florida. They took him over uh, back back into Auburn. Um, like th- this motherfucker needs to be just just punished to the to the highest degree. This is where sometimes I feel like the the justice system fails us, um, and I'd like to have faith in it. But um, I, I also think like why why was this guy let out on on bail on his last charge like what the fuck do some digging i i don't want to um put too much influence on it uh but i want everyone to kind of stay updated on this um uh as as the story progresses again donnie doing a good job at pure evil mma of covering it and also i want to shout out my man imposter a very big supporter of the show made my logo Continues to be a good friend to the community. Um, he he made a couple posters for it to, to, to share and get the word out. And um, please please share that whenever you see it. Um, 
Uh, and, and follow Imposter because he's the man. And I guess that brings me to a close on this segment. I would like to end on a better note, but I just don't have one. It, it's a very sad case. And if we don't find her soon, I'm going to start freaking out. I really will. Um, I just like got over, like Walt Harris just got over on me the last couple fights. Not that I, I not that I had anything against him before, but I, I was just like, okay, cool. It's a fun heavyweight to, to watch is whatever. Um, but the last couple of fights have been like, it's like, damn, Walt Harris is going to be a fucking something big. And I was really looking at the Overeem fight. I'm really looking forward to the Overeem fight. And now, um, we, we don't, we don't get that. So, um, fuck this guy, Ibrahim Yazid. And, um, we need to punish this motherfucker. That's all I got to say. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, let's move forward to the forum. All right, all right, all right. Let's get it popping. Now, I want to say uh, this to, to anyone who sends in voice questions for the podcast. Thank you so much for sending them. And there are times on on the day I record that some 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 get sent in either just barely on time or just barely after uh, just barely not on time and i still want to include every single one because if you take the time out of your day to record something and put your voice out there that i'm going to share with the community with the fucking interwebs um i'm going to put that shit out there so the first one i want to play was actually sent last week um regarding uh a fighter on the UFC 244 card, but I'm still going to play it because this person is the man and they know they are and you guys know they are and it's a great question anyway. My man Juice, how's it going, buddy? My question for you is simple. Where does Stephen Wonderboy Thompson go from here? Like, There was a lot of people who would have been asking him to retire had he lost this fight as if he didn't beat the main event fighter who won the BMF title and a few other people on this card. I absolutely am excited to see Wonderboy continue competing. Who do you think he should face next? What do you think is next? Also, keep it up, buddy. I'm watching. Everybody is. Love that guy. If you don't follow Kairos, change that shit right now. Follow his YouTube channel. Follow his Twitter. Um, the man's appearing on lots of different podcasts. I know he's been on Uncle Lou's podcast. He has a prominent segment now on the Wocast with G and Michael Morgan. Uh, it's just a shit. It's K-A-I-R-O-S-M-M-A. Um, by the way, Kairos, you got me watching The Purge now. My wife and I, one of the reasons why I delayed recording this podcast is because I was watching The Purge, okay? I got to I gotta be open and honest and admit that. <laughs> it was kind of a, kind of a lazy Sunday. Um, so what's next for Wonder Boy? Man, I actually love answering this now because sometimes on the day after, you know, it's too, a little bit too fresh. And and now the dust has settled a little bit. And I think I would love to see the Damian Maya fight. I also wouldn't mind the Ben Askren fight, although they're all specialists. And, um, you know, Wonder Boy is a specialist in his own right. So... Like specialist against specialist fights are kind of fun, but at the same time, we want to see we want to see a striker's paradise. You know what I would like to see, and I hate calling for this, but it's just fresh in my mind, you know, because of the news that came out today, which is that, uh, or I think came out yesterday, 
Ariel, after five years, has finally got a sit-down interview with Nick Diaz. And who knows what he's going to say? I'm recording this on Sunday evening, um, and the uh, interview comes out on Monday. So we don't know what he's going to say, unless you're listening to this late, and you probably think I'm uh, a clown. But if Nick Diaz wants to make a return, I have a feeling he's going to call it Jorge. Let's be real. You know, he just beat his brother. Um, but then again, they have sort of a code, uh, you know, within each other. They want to call it like they asked one, uh, Nate one time about fighting either GSP or Robbie Lawler. He goes, no, those are fights for my brother. So I have a feeling actually he might not. Um, however, if he doesn't call it Jorge, I would like the fucking Wonder Boy fight. Wonder Boy Nick Diaz, are you kidding me? Um, like, who knows what kind of what kind of trash talk he would try and throw at him. Wonder Boy, like, almost out of refuses to trash talk anyone. He's the nicest guy ever. And uh, it would just be fun as hell. So I like that fight a lot. But uh, thanks, Kairos. You are the fucking man, dude. All right, this next one is from Shane Terra. Hey, Juice, what is your favorite Eddie Bravo quote? You can say, look into it if you want, but I think the best one is from his stand-up where he goes, have you ever noticed that the only good, relevant conspiracy theories always have YouTube links? If you don't send me a YouTube link, I don't believe it. It's not real. It's not even a good conspiracy. Get out of here with that bullshit. So, uh, yeah, what's your ed- favorite Eddie, Eddie Bravo quote? Hashtag... Ask FWM. Hashtag Ask FWM pod. <laughs> I love that the title of this also is Fuck Brendan Schaub. And Brendan Schaub is spelled wrong, but I think that's on purpose. And I love it. I love everything about it. Um, look into it probably is my favorite, but I'll say another one. Well, first of all, I love the fact that if you search, look into it on on the GIFs on Twitter, it, it pops up fucking Eddie Bravo. And that's just legit. But um, I also love his quote that someone shared a fight companion uh, from like, I think it was when Ben Askren was annou- announced that he signed the UFC or it was maybe before. It was definitely before he made his debut. Um, but um it was Rogan, Schaub, and Eddie Bravo, and they were saying, Ben Askren versus GSP, that's going to be fun. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of people thought that, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, and now we're kind of roasting them for that, so I'm not trying to be, like, shitting on them too much, but it was just funny with, like, Eddie Bravo was like, really? GSP's a good wrestler, too. And they're like, oh, but not Ben Askren. I was like, yeah, but GSP also has a black belt in jiu-jitsu. And they were like, Ben Askren's another level of grabber. And Eddie Bravo was like, when Eddie Bravo is the voice of reason, dude, you need to check yourself. <laughs> I mean, that that's my favorite Eddie Bravo moment so far in life. Um, so I'll, I'll say that one. Yeah, great question. Jews, I have two completely unrelated questions for you. <clears throat> my first question is, who is your favorite uh, straight-up kickboxer to transition to MMA? Uh, I think for me it's probably... Uh, Crow Cop, because, um, you know, fucking Crow Cop. Uh, or maybe Gokan Saki, because he, and even though he doesn't have a great UFC record, Gokan Saki is still really fun to watch fight, and he hits really goddamn hard. Um, then my second question is, uh, 
after this Gregor Gillespie fight, everyone's talking about Kevin Lee. And what I want to know is, with him moving to TriStar, do you think that he might become a champion? Uh, what do you think? Hashtag ask FWM. Thank you for the question, Shane Tara. Well, um, so the first part, my favorite kickboxer to transition to MMA. Um, I have two. I'm like, I'm going to give a mainstream pick and a hipster pick. Um, cause I got it like that. Um, obviously if you listen to this podcast, at least in the past couple months, you know, I'm a massive fan of Israel Adesanya. Um, that definitely qualifies, even though he was doing MMA while he was doing kickboxing. Um, that's just kickboxing is more of his background. And, um, so obviously I'm going to pick that because he's on the on the short list of my favorite fighters to watch right now. But I also really love Raymond Daniels. Um, he made his Bellator debut recently, and he landed a fucking 720 like hook that knocked this guy out. That shit was amazing, dude. I love that. So I've got to go with Raymond Daniels. And then uh, Kevin Lee. Now. See, this move to TriStar, I think, was really good for him. But um, it's unclear to me if that's enough to make him champion. Um, I do think that sort of a missing ingredient for him has been coaching and just like like sticking to a game plan. And Faraz is a master of that. So who knows? Like that could be that could be the one. But um, the weight cuts obviously are really tough. Um, to get to 155, and they really need to make that 165-pound division. You know what? Fuck it. I'm going to say right now, Kevin Lee going to be the first 165-pound champion. There we go. You heard her here first. <laughs> this next <laughs> it's also from Shane Tara's next question, and the title of it says, I hope I don't get any death threat DMs. Also, Death Threat is a great band. And that is, if you follow this guy and you know him and you've heard him on the podcast, you know that is the most Shane Tara type name for a question. <coughs> Yo, Juice. It's your boy, Shane Tara. I got a fucking real serious hot take for everyone. I was just thinking about Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz. And... The potential rematch that we could get from that. And I was thinking about it. And I think everyone pretty much knew that if the, that fight went five rounds, Jorge was probably going to win if he didn't stop Nate. Um, and after that fight and then watching him fight Anthony Pettis, I kind of think I don't want to... I, I don't want to watch Nate Diaz fight anymore. Like, I'm a Nate Diaz fan. But, uh... Yeah, I don't think I need to see him fight anymore. I don't know. What do you think? Love the question. Uh, first of all, those coughs, if you didn't get it, are from probably him hitting his bowl, which I also love. And I've said this before. You don't need to, like, shout it from the from the mountaintops if you're smoking weed. But you also don't need to not shout it from the mountaintops, if, if that makes sense. So anyone fucking, like, Smokey J, obviously, was, was the original of this. J- Jim Asun. Um, also, um, people doing bong reps before they call into my show. It's the fucking best. So I love that Shane does it also with uh, hitting his bowl and man. Uh, so I think I said this last time, uh, on the show as well that I kind of like, I don't need to see the rematch 
but after like a couple of things have come out and I've had more time to digest it, if Nate gets a full camp, right, where he didn't just have a fight with Pettis, because let's to me it's this like I've I've said that some of the stuff like after Nate fights says I was like excuses or after he loses it's like oh I didn't I couldn't run you know it's kind of like you, we hear that same shit uh, all the time the cuts it was the same cut from the Pettis fight I've had worse cuts you know all this thing, um, if he gets surgery to heal the scar tissue and then he gets a full ass camp so we so we can eliminate these excuses i would be willing to do a, a, to to see that rematch otherwise and this is not me calling for him to retire um he think he's one of those guys that all that's always a fighter in some sense you know he'll always kind of be around um but i certainly don't want to see him in any like uh like any fight that's not worthy of being a headliner or a co-main to like a really legit title fight or something like that. Uh, like he's definitely, he's a main event that there's no like ifs, ands or buts about it. He's a fucking star regardless of how you feel about him. And I, I've been cheating on him because of the, because of the way that the, the loss has been held, but he's, he's the man dude. I fucking love Nate Diaz. Let's, let's make that very clear. But, um, yeah, I kind of am with you in the sense that I don't, uh, necessarily want to see him, um, in, in just like, back in the mix like as a contender and just like fighting every few months like i i don't need that um like i only want Nate to be in big fights from now on and you know it's been a uh i think they've said that they will never do it or i don't know if they i've not said those words but i would really you know before all is said and done if we can get nick and nate on the same card that would just be money i would love to see that All right, this next question is entitled, No Cannabis Was Harmed in the Making of This Segment. Yo, 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 Juice, what's cracking? It's Cerrone Noseblow here. Coming at you a little bit early this week for some positivity. Want to make sure I get a voice question in. Going to be another busy Saturday, another benefit ride. But anyway, for this week, I want to give a shout-out to the man, Shane Tara. Dude, your questions on this podcast are always super in-depth, super intellectual. Um, I love listening to him. I love listening to Juice give his input on him as well. But the main things I want to shout you out for, number one, your fucking tattoos, bro. Impressive, badass. It's just dope. It's a work of art. And while we're talking about art, your fucking drawings, bro, they are amazing. I mean, better than anything I could ever fucking imagine trying to do. Uh, I have no artistic ability, but keep that shit up, bro. Uh, peace and good vibes to all you juice heads out there. Yes, queen. Yes. Dude, I fucking love this. I So I play these questions in chronological order of when they were received. That's why I started with the one from Kairos. That was just that just barely missed a deadline. And then the other ones were early submissions from Shane as well. And just kind of... Uh, Shane Terra rather and it's just sort of building they had no idea unless they talked for some reason they, they submitted these on the same day and they were back to back so the fact that like that lined up with these great questions from Shane Terra and then a, a fucking compliment from, from uh, Serenino's Blow that's the shit I do like um, love that um, that your theme is, is to shout people out and do positivity keep doing that I love it I love everything about it Hey Juice, it's Jimmy the Drunk again. 
You gotta stop farting on your wife before she leaves your stinky ass. Also, I was wondering, would you rather see John Jones take a Gillespie-esque KO or receive news that UFC has officially taken the much-needed step of trying for a fifth time to book Habib and Tony? Thank you. Oh my God. This is one of the best questions in history. But also, one of the most difficult to answer. Man, by the way, I'm loving these questions from Jimmy the Drunk. Keep them up. Um, I, I, I want to say that I will stop farting in my wife's presence. But that would just be a lie because I just, I just can't. Because uh, it's not on purpose. It's just it's how my body functions. And there's your uh, cringiest moment of the podcast for the week. Maybe. Uh, dude. I'll say this. So, despite the um, alleged uh, or curse, if you will, that that, that fight between Habib and Tony is cursed, that they've tried to book it and it just kind of falls through every time, I think they're going to try. So, to me, like, that's already, like, I don't need to make that part of my, like, wish or whatever. Like, that's already going to happen, and I'm not going to say anything against that, uh, Unless they announce another fight, and then I'm going to go fucking nuclear and bring my pitchfork and my torch and my bag of shit to Dana's office. Um, but so I'll say I'll pick the John Jones ones. Can, the, the John Jones one. What is up with me today? I'm like stumbling over my words. I'm acting like a goddamn animal. But dude, John Jones getting that Gillespie-esque head kick would just be like peach. I would just, I would play that like. More than we've seen the Ben Askren, uh, Jorge Masvidal flying knee um, retweeted. I would be spamming that dude. I would be making clips. I would just be making, I would just be fucking, I, I, I can't even imagine. I'm like, I'm like getting, I'm like salivating just thinking about that. Can you fucking imagine? Jesus. It's amazing. All right, next question. Juice. My question this week, brother, is um, if Greg Hardy loses tonight, which he probably will. This is before the fight card, by the way, so I don't know what the results of the fight card is. If um, Greg Hardy and or Zabit lose tonight. I mean, when Greg Hardy and Zabit lose tonight, let's be honest. But anyway, um, do you think they'll be the new biggest memes in MMA? Because right now... The biggest meme is Ben Askren, and I love it. But if if uh, Greg Hardy loses, he gets to be a walking meme. Oh my god, I want to love every second of it. Same with Zabit. If any of those guys become walking memes, I'm gonna fucking <laughs> oh, I'm gonna love it, man. I don't know, lad. Great question, by the way. That's Hayden MMA. Hayden underscore MMA. You know, if Greg Hardy becomes a walking meme. I will love it, but I also got to be honest here. We need him to just go away. Making the memes are just going to perpetuate him being in the UFC. And I lost the dialect, so I'm just going to drop it completely. But dude, I made a post at the day of the fight because I was fucking on one. By the way, completely sober, just fucking on one mentally. 
And uh, I was like, any great Cardi fans want to out themselves? Because I'm feeling block happy. And I did. And it was a public service that I provided because some of y'all said, thank you for doing this. So I've preemptively blocked as well. And um, man, some of the cucks in that post were just unbelievable, dude. Um, there was some good, there was some good in there too. You know, there were some, some people, you know, talking about it. And my cats just will try to kill each other. Great. That's good audio for the podcast. Um, fucking, we need to just stop talking about this guy and, and just, cause the more fucking negative, like publicity that comes out. The UFC seeing that and they're saying, oh yeah, more people want to see this guy get fucked up. Let's keep booking it. I mean, dude, I just need him to go away. I just need him to go away. And it, it's it's unbelievable. And by the way, um, he did, he was 100% um, telling the truth. He did record this before the fights or it was at least during the prelims. It wasn't like, you know, after the Greg Hardy fight. Um, so, um, Zabit did not lose. Unfortunately, Hayden, know you really want him to lose. I was riding that ride with you. Zabit's already kind of a meme with the Lincoln stuff, but, um, most people don't know that's a meme. <laughs> they just think it's a picture of Lincoln cause he looks exactly fucking like him. Um, but I, I'd, I'd, I'd prefer more Zabit memes than Greg Hardy memes just cause, and, and I've, I've, Believe me, I love a good Greg Hardy meme. The fucking one that um, Imposter made was awesome. The Clown of War, all those things. Um, but um, yeah, we need we need him to just go away. What's up, Juice Master? It's Punk. Um, just saw this quick little promo about Jan and uh, Jacare. How much are we buying into Jan actually being a threat to Johnny Bones Jones? I don't know. He's heavy-handed, but he seems very slow. So I'm not really sure. Uh, I think that's it for right now. Maybe I'll send another question. Maybe. Hashtag fuckpan. Yes, I've been missing the Punk Rock Dad on my fucking show. I love it. Um, shouts to you and the champ. You know, I was thinking... I was I was listening to the Donkey Show podcast. Those guys are awesome. You should definitely check that out. Um, if, you, if you don't remember from a few episodes ago, um, it's three dudes. One of the guys' name is Wesley, or Wes. He listens to this show. I don't know if the other guys do. But um, definitely he sent in a fucking question that was like, <laughs> I jerk off when I listen to your show. Oh, and it made me laugh so hard. Um, and they said, it seems like calling out John Jones before your fight is a goddamn curse. Like Johnny Walker did it. Fucking got KO'd. Chris Wyman did it. Fucking got KO'd. Luke Rockle did it. Fucking got KO'd. Um, and so um, if, if Jan is out there saying that, like that's a fucking detriment uh, because I'm not buying it, and um, I was ready to to be on the Yawn hype train after he killed Luke Rockhold. But I also knew that um, if he won, it was wouldn't be his like you know amazing technical prowess and more so just Luke Rockhold's susceptibility to left hooks and fucking I don't know a good power shot because he's got uh, no chin. Um, but 
yeah, if if he if he's calling out John Jones, he's gonna fucking check himself, dude. Yeah, yes, sir. You can't dodge this question now because I'm on time, baby. <laughs> I'm on time. All right, I got one for you. Your life is hanging in the balance. This fighter's next fight determines whether or not you live or die. If they pull out, you die as well. Who are you choosing to represent your life? Also, man, I appreciate you. Keep doing what you're doing. You're a real one. Have a great day. You're a real one, sir. Love this question. And I'm not out here going to say it's like controversial, um, but my answer might surprise you. And um, I was thinking about this. There's, there's a few good answers. But you know who's never actually pulled out of a fight and has accepted really any sort of short notice replacement against him if their opponents have pulled out? It's Conor McGregor. Now, I'm not a dick rider. Just because they say something positive about Conor doesn't make you a dick rider. Let's be real. Let's fucking get that straight right now. And I'm off that train, have been for a while. But, you know, I was a big fan during his buildup. He definitely got me back into the sport. And so... You know, I can't deny that. And I, and being that I w- I've followed that early rise, anytime anyone pulled out, um, he fucking accepted the new opponent. So it's got to be, it's got to be uh, Connor. And like I said, there are a couple other good, um, uh, good options, but that's the biggest one that I could think of. I mean, you could also just like list any like old school fighter as well that's still fighting. You know, like that sort of mentality. Uh, you know, doesn't really exist in the newer breed of fighters. So I, I could have just picked an old school fighter, but I wanted to uh, say someone was relevant and uh, sort of modern. So, all right. The next question is from your boy, Joe Blog74. Shouldn't have done it before him, but fuck it. All right, Juice, mate. It's me from over the sea. It's your boy, Joe Blog74. Love the podcast. It's fucking amazing. Sorry for the French. Um, just seeing that uh, Nick Diaz is on the Ariel Hawani show tomorrow night. Just wanted to know, what, who, do you think he's going to call anyone out? Do you think he'll call Masvidal out? Or would you like him to call someone out? Uh, you know, who, who do you think he should fight if he does come back? That's it, mate. And do you know any Russian fighters that don't have a beard and that smile and have a personality? Laters! To answer the last question, no. If you're a Russian fighter, or if you're, let me phrase it this way, if you're claiming to be a Russian fighter and you either don't have a beard or you have a personality, I'm going to need to see some papers. I'm going to need to see some proof because there is not, there has not been a fighter in history where that, that, that statement doesn't fucking line up with. I mean, nailed it on the fucking head, dude. Uh, love your question. And uh, I love the talking about this Nick Diaz interview, man. Uh, again, I, I, I wish that um, I could like edit the podcast after it's been published because then I would I would re-record some of these answers about Nick Diaz. Um, but uh, speculation is more fun. And then if I'm right, it's like, oh, ooh, cool. Uh, but I, I do think um, he, he might call Jorge Masvidal other than, like I mentioned, like the sort of code among them. Um, otherwise... Um, I feel like he might try and get a fight with GSP, actually. Now I'm thinking about it. Um, Like the rematch with GSP. Um, Or, 
I mean, I said I want to find him, uh, want him to fight Wonder Boy, but I don't think he will um, fight Wonder Boy. Uh, like, actually call him out. Because um, I've said for, for a while now, like, I don't want Nick Diaz to fight unless he wants to fight. He's just, you know, made all those posts to say, I don't want to hurt anybody. I just want to party. And he's living his goddamn best life on Instagram, fucking just drunk all the time. I was actually talking online with uh, uh, my boy Kev Jitsu. Uh, he's a big Diaz uh, brother fan of both the brothers, and uh, we're saying that the interview should be in the fucking strip club. And I was like, "Yeah, Ariel went to goddamn girl cl- or whatever the fucking Floyd's club is named. It's girl something, and I can't remember or care. But um, he went to Floyd's strip club to interview him. And Nick Diaz is way more important than Floyd Mayweather. Let's get that straight." So yeah, that's what I hope that interview is. Just, just, just Ariel like being propositioned for lap dances and being like, "No, I can't. Um, I'm working here." And Nick Diaz being like, "You better fuck. I'm buying you a lap dance, bro. You better get this fucking lap dance." That would just be amazing. Hey, Juicy, it's Laura. I'm at Walmart, so I'll make this quick. I don't have a question. I just have a statement of fact that it was bullshit that the main event was only three rounds fugs a beat for that have a great one yes and the title of this says fuck a beat like 10 u's 10 c's 10 k's like i love love the fucking energy yeah dude there's a few questions about this so i'm gonna save it a little bit but it was it was bullshit i think now, recently, I've been sort of reevaluating my stance on five-round fights um, because I, I do think whilst I've canceled Chael, um, the points that he has made when I still listen to him uh, about five-round fights are very interesting, that maybe we shouldn't be doing as many as you think or, or maybe not at all or sort of adapting them. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was bullshit. I don't know anything else to say other than it was bullshit. You know, we, we should have got five rounds in this case. Um, definitely the tie was turning for Calvin Cater. Um, yeah, it would have been his fucking fight, dude. That's what I think. God damn it. God damn it. Thank you for the question, Laura, or the statement, as you said. Hey, Juice. Ray from Ray's on Pot of Soup checking in here. I actually got two questions for you. In regards to the Zabit versus uh, Calvin Cater fight, do you think that we were cheated out of a five-round main event, or are you okay with Zabit going into that three-round fight as he was originally scheduled? And looking to the Greg Hardy versus Alexander Volkov fight, Whose stock rose and whose stock fell in that fight, considering Greg Hardy had one hand uh, after the first round? Okay. You phrase both these questions very interestingly. In regards to the Zabit fight, were we robbed of a five-round main event? Yes, we were. Uh, unequivocally, they had enough time to 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 get a five round main event for for somebody. Volkov was ready, was training for five rounds. You know, somebody would have stepped up for uh, for a five round fight. If you couldn't get a heavyweight willing to go five rounds on short notice, 
and I know it's harder for heavyweights, but like fucking leave the UFC. Uh, like that just should have happened. And for featherweights to not be able to go five rounds on short notice, that's a goddamn problem. Um, like just do it. I, f- I feel like anyone uh, should be ready to go five rounds. You know, there's there's tons of fighters that that interviews are they'll say like when they have a three round fight they're like oh, I was training for five I was ready to go like it just it just blows my mind that they couldn't get this done to be a five round fight but the way you said as originally scheduled it's like okay sure am I gonna give him a pass for that no because I'm a fickle MMA fan which is kind of redundant because MMA fans are fickle and in regards to the Greg Hardy Volkov fight. Uh, unfortunately, Greg Hardy's stock did not go down. Um, cause whilst he did get pieced up, um, people are going to say he hung in there on short notice against a guy with way more experience than him and way more talented than him. And while that's true, uh, it doesn't get any fucking points from me, dude. Uh, especially fighting with a broken hand. Everybody does that, dude. I fight with a broken hand. Just kidding. But God damn it. God damn it. We actually have a a few interesting um, questions that were emailed to me that I'm going to play real quick. Hey, Juice. It's Harry Andrew. Finally attempting to send you this voice message. Basically, I promised you a while back I'm going to start giving you some Welsh words um, to kind of have a guess at what they mean. So the first one, I'm going to start off with giving you one, um, and then we'll go from there. So the first one I've got for you is moron. So that's M-O-R-O-N. I had to think about a spell in there. So moron, what do you think it means? Huh. Well, obviously, when I think moron, especially when it's spelled the way that I spell moron... I'm going to think idiot. But that's probably not it because that would be too fucking easy. Moron. Moron. I'm not going to claim that I can do Welsh, okay? Moron. Moron. I'm trying to think of re-siphons saying moron. I wonder if it means like like a hussy or something or like a like a dude like like a manho like a male like a male version of a hussy like oh what a fucking moron he's just putting his dick in everything ah oh, fuck it I'm gonna go with that so I'm assuming you would have paused it there to have a guess but moron is the Welsh word for carrot huh. yeah so, if you look at someone calling them a moron, you have called them an idiot, or in Wales you'd be calling them a carrot. Unless you're an English-speaking part of Wales and you're just calling them an idiot. All the best, Jews. Huh. I like that. Although it's kind of like... I would imagine if you're calling someone a carrot, like, like if I, even in, in America, if I were to walk up to someone and say, you fucking carrot... I'm obviously not saying anything nice. Uh, <laughs> like vegetable, someone who's not like very smart, 
fucking vegetable. Although that's actually fucking disrespectful to anyone on life support. Uh, dude, that was awesome. More Welsh words. Happy thank you more, please. I love that. The fucking uh, Aussie words quiz from Ali Ra was the shit. And so this is awesome. I'm Harry. Love it. Thank you for your question. Hello, comrade Juice. It is I, Russian sweet potato, all the way from northern wilds of Siberia. I have a question. You will answer. Yes. Last night at UFC Moscow, we saw the beat Magomed Shapirov and Calvin Cater in the first three-round main event in eight years. This was very disappointing for Moscovian fans. Original main event fell through when Junior Dos Santos was forced to withdraw with a serious staff infection two weeks before the show. Zabit vs. Calvin was made new main event after Greg Hardy agreed to fight Alexander Volkov on short notice. You know, I do not understand this Greg Hardy situation. In my day, a man like that, we would cut off his testicles with piano wire and a socket wrench. Oh, how I missed the KGB. Those were the days, fighting and killing. <laughs> I remember this one time. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, I digress. Anyway, where was I? Oh yes, main event. Being the crafty Russian fox that he is, Zabit made sure the fight was only three rounds, which favored his style, robbing fans of five-round fight. So I ask you this, what do you think about the idea of having short-term replacement main events be five three-minute rounds instead of three five-minute rounds? Oh, I must go. No explanation. Fucking A. I love that. I love everything about it. Of course I love the the Hoosier one, um, but this is a nice change of pace. Dude. I can't stress enough how good of an idea that is. But I also kind of feel like I wouldn't mind five three-minute rounds anyway because it's the same amount of fighting time. Although one of the things I hate about boxing is the three-minute rounds. So I I love that MMA has five-minute rounds. But um, yeah, I definitely think that's a good idea. Uh, five three-minute rounds is like on on a short notice it's something's got to happen like you want five rounds in a main event um that has to happen very interesting question i'm trying to give more thoughts on it but because i don't want my answer to be so short but i'm just like yeah dude that's it five three-minute rounds make it happen just figure it out like I get that they don't want to change the the round length for continuity's sake, but dude, if you can't get a fucking fighter to go five rounds on short notice, say how about five three minute rounds? You, you the same amount of fighting, just kind of split it up. Great fucking question. I think we have one more voice question. Ba ba ba. Just trying to find it. I know it's here. Okay, here we go. This is from a man. Well, he can introduce himself. Let me just take it take it away. Yo, Juice, what up? It's your boy, Phil, the MMA dude from the Split Decision Podcast. Here's my question. Obviously, yesterday we saw Zabit Magomed Sheripov get a fight of the night bonus after refusing to fight a five-round main event. Uh, Calvin Qatar was all in for the five rounds. Dana White tried to make it a five-round fight. Zabit would not do that on a few weeks' notice. Uh, he did refuse. They got fight of the night. My question is, does this set a very dangerous precedent 
where now fighters uh, will turn down, you know, fighting a uh, five round, you know, fight night main event because there's no incentive. They're not getting punished if they just fight three and they're not getting paid more for five. I personally think fighters should get paid more for five round fights, but that's a whole nother topic. Did Zabit uh, begin a very dangerous precedent in our fight night main events being five rounds? Is that format currently in danger because of what Zabit did? Thanks so much, buddy. Love the question. You guys definitely got to check out uh, the Split Decision podcast. Um, I actually want to uh, throw a little teaser for something that's going to come up later in the year. Um, I've decided, you know, a lot of uh, MMA podcasts, um, particularly the mainstream ones, uh, they will do uh, like end of the year awards or like fight of the year, knockout of the year, submission of the year as well. I'm going to do that, but I also want to do awards to my fellow podcasters. And I already know what award I'm going to give Phil and the Fight Geek over at Split Decision. Um, that's just something I want to do, like I said, for the culture, for the community. Um, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be awarding a lot of my um, favorite um, contemporaries. Now, the question about setting a precedent. I don't think so. Here's why. The UFC has had a policy of just like moving on. Like if you don't, um, it's basically it's their way or the highway. They're, like it doesn't fucking wait. Like that's how Colby lost um, some of the title fights he's been offered in the past, where you know he won the interim belt, he was you know almost quote unquote guaranteed a title shot, and then he he couldn't find September when they wanted to, so they took it away. It's like if you don't, if the machine keeps rolling, dude. If you're not gonna fucking fight for us uh, when we want you to, we'll move the fuck on. And that's how Darren Till got his shot. So for me, dude. I don't think it's going to set a precedent at all, especially when you when you said that word precedent, it reminded me of a, a press conference a while ago um, when they uh, had announced that I, th- I think it was the the Bisping GSP uh, press conference um, when they first had announced that they were going to make that fight. It was like in January, which was like. 10 months or 11 months before the fight actually materialized. But they were saying, uh, you know, Yoel was guaranteed number one contender at that, at that uh, time. And Ariel had asked the question, um, are you going to pay Yoel? Uh, of course there is a precedent set, uh, with Carlos Condit or something. He started to mention. And Dana said, no, there's no precedent. Obviously Dana hates Ariel and he's, you know, going to discredit him at any time, but, Ariel was trying to make the point uh, the point of a precedent that had been set in the past, but Dana countered with the point of we make our own fucking precedent, you know, whenever we want. So, uh, whilst I I see where you're coming from, it is a dangerous territory, but I don't think it's going to set a precedent. The other thing is this: you're right about them needing to get paid more for main events, and there was a time I, I can't remember when. You know, historians might know this, and please correct me. Um, fight nights were still three rounds and I don't know when they switched, but you know, if it was a non-title fight and it was the main event, it was still three rounds, just like Bellator still is. Um, and those still did well. Um, I, I, I'm greedy like you. I want those five rounds, even if it's a non-title fight. Um, uh, you know, definitely people in five round fights take more damage, but it just, it also kind of tells you if someone's ready for a title fight. Right, like it tests their metal in a sense. Like with with this Zabit fight, 
we don't know if he's ready for five rounds. You know, this was his time to show us that he's ready for a five round fight. And now we, we don't get that. However, um, they do get paid more. I'm, I'm, I'm saying they should get paid more than they do, but they do get paid more for a main event. Um, I remember an interview that Ariel did with Gaethje a while ago where he said that you're, you're getting more. Um, I believe he said that the, and this is something that uh, Ariel knows about how they, the contracts operate or, or what have you. I, I believe it's an extra 25,000 or it might be 25%. Um, cause, cause maybe their contract is such that 25,000 is like peanuts, but, um, they definitely do get paid more. They should get paid more than that, but they do get paid more for doing uh, five-round uh, main events. I will say that. All right. And we actually have a couple, before I get into the Twitter forum, we do have a couple questions that were sent to me via DM. Actually, I missed one from last week. So this is me uh, apologizing. You guys know I have such a guilt complex about this. Uh, one time I actually, speaking of Phil, the MMA dude, I missed his question from the forum and I created a whole nother episode just for that. So if I miss your question, please let me know, especially, uh, well, I won't say why I might miss some questions, but you know, I might miss questions and I, I want, while, while my show is small enough to, to not care about the time frame and, and the amount, I want to include every single fucking question because people that want to have their voice heard and, and share their thoughts and opinions for this show, I want to include every single one of you, unless it's offensive or whatever. And I'll tell you like, Hey, I can't fucking put that on my show. But, um, this question was submitted last week from Jimmy the drunk. And it was about the, it was because it was relevant to the BMF. So I said, since we're all into the excitement of this baddest motherfucker showcase, if there was a baddest father fucker, <laughs> which is a great name, it's a women's version of a BMF title, who would you choose to participate? I'd probably have to go with Jessica I versus Kat Singano. I realize Kat is no longer in the UFC, but maybe sometime in the future. Well, first off, in regards to that, this Ali act needs to happen or something where we get more cross promotional fights uh, because that that's a good fight regardless. Um, although Jessica is now at 125 and Kat's moving up to 145. Kat also one time crazily said she could make 125. I think she said she did earlier in her career, but she said she wanted to try it again. And I was like, dude, Kat, what the fuck is wrong with you? Um, but I was thinking about what the BMF, well, what the spirit of that was. Because a lot of, like, I, I belabored this point a bit. A lot of people say, like, oh, well, a bad motherfucker, you know, can be anyone. Like, John Jones is a bad motherfucker because he, he's never lost, uh, except for the DQ. Oh, Khabib is a bad motherfucker because he's never lost. Like, doesn't mean that, necessarily. And, and, and again, I also belabored the point that you can make up your own fucking rules for that. But with the spirit of how it was originated with Nate saying that was his title and he was kind of defending it and that, you know, you know, it's about a certain style of fighting or whatever. Um, and you know, it's about being a veteran of the game and it was people who have been around, uh, a long time. I actually, I actually think the, the two, some of the two best candidates for this would be Jessica Aguilar She's been around a long time. And Roxanne Modafferi. Now, I'm not just saying that because she's my favorite fighter. Today, actually, uh, November 10th, is the anniversary of her first fight, first pro fight. 
Uh, I've been in the game 16 years now, I believe. And if you think she doesn't come to fight every time, you're just wrong. You, you may not be a fan of her like I am, but it's just factually in, incorrect. She comes to finish every time, which cannot be said about other uh, fighters, you know, male or female. And if you want to know an example of this, go rewatch her fight with Nico Montano for the inaugural flyweight belt. They just, those ladies came to fight. Every punch was, was thrown with bad intentions. Roxanne was out there throwing flying knees. She was going for submissions. Dude, I'm getting choked up here again. Go watch that fight, first of all. Second of all, to me, that's a that's a reason why that she needs to be in there with the B, the BFF title. Although I was I was thinking you might call this um, the badass bitch title. That would be funny. But then the acronym is like Bab. That's that's always not good. Um, although shout out to Babs, um, Barbara Streisand. I'm rambling, of course, but I thought that was an awesome question. I was so sad that I missed it. I was like, dude, how can I fucking miss that? I wrote it down and everything. Uh, so thank you, Jimmy the Drunk, for that question. And then I did get some awesome uh, questions via DM from the Sweet Potato as well. That's Rage and Sweet Potato. All right, he says, three-part question for next week. What is your favorite movie, no TV, that's A, starring an MMA fighter, B, featuring an MMA fighter, and C, uh, with a cameo by an MMA fighter? All right, this is is a hard one for me to answer because I don't uh, watch a lot of uh, MMA movies because they're just not that good. Um, I come from a place of, like, I was going to be in the movie business, or at least trying to. And not that I've given up on that necessarily, but, um, you know, I have a goddamn degree in it, in in acting anyway. And uh, so I'm very, very critical of things. You know, fighters aren't the best actors, and actors aren't the best fighters as well. So it just, it, I'd... Even though they're my two worlds, you know, I, I, you know, you'd think I'd love to be like, oh yes, MMA movies, I love it. They're they're terrible, um, but there are a few good ones. Um, although the way you phrase it doesn't necessarily have to be all MMA fighters, but um, for me, favorite one starring an MMA fighter. Um, this is a kind of a, a guilty pleasure. Never back down three. I think it's the third one, the one with Josh Barnett, um, because first of all, Josh Barnett is like, he's one of my favorite um, heavyweights of all time. It's like him and Frank Mir are really like my favorites. And um, he's low key, like one of the smartest dudes in MMA or just smartest people in general. But he's just like his mind from not only fighting, but just just the world, the way he views the world, I think is really interesting. Um, His um, stint on the uh, JRE podcast was fucking awesome. The episode he did with Joe Rogan, and um, so I and I thought he did a he did a decent job in that movie. And it's also with Michael Jai White, who low key is like one of the best like martial artists. That's an actor. Um, my, Michael Bisping sparred with him and just said just his like his speed and his like technique was crisp. And so like if you got the Michael Bisping stamp of approval, that's that's enough for me. Speaking of the Bisping stamp of approval, Bisping. Um, getting a feature role in uh, Triple X, Return of Xander Cage. Fucking classic. Love that. Um, I don't like all the Triple X movies, but that was good. You know, I love the first one, and then, you know, that was good. 
maybe that's the only two, but I could have sworn there was another one. I could have sworn there was another one that was just like, oh, why are they making this again? So, um, yeah, but I love that one. And then the one with the cameo by an MMA fighter, Den of Thieves, with a little little cameo by Maxi Baby, Max Holloway. Um, I guess I'll have a little Bisping connection because Bisping is the one that calls him Maxi Baby. But, um, yeah, um, Pablo Shriver is low-key. When I, I have to always say low-key, but he's like one of the more like lesser-known actors that's like fucking incredible. Like he's the I think half brother of Lee F. Schreiber, the guy from Ray Donovan, and also directed um, that movie with Elijah Wood. I think it's called Everything Is Illuminated, which is just one of the most powerful like indie movies of all time. Um, yeah, Pablo Schreiber, amazing, and Gerard Butler, great. Den of Thieves, that's that's my three. And he's got another interesting one. It says, multiple choice. Would you rather watch A, small regional MMA once a day, B, medium organization MMA once a week, like Cage Warriors, Combate Americas, LFA, that sort of thing, or a big organization MMA once a month, like UFC, Bellator, or one, and then D, MMA cross-promotional all day, or like an all-day 25-fight supercard once a year. Now, if... Okay, so I'm a, I'm a fan of, or, or proponent, I'm a believer in absence makes the heart grow fonder. Whilst I love when we have a, a nice stacked fight card every week, um, I don't like watered-down cards. I don't like fluff. I don't like fights without storyline. So for me, like the the dream would be doing cross-promotion MMA like six times a year. Like maybe not every month, but like once every two months. Like six times a year, a big-ass fight card. That would be amazing. Just like clear the whole schedule and just fucking go. Of course, that would uh, be a de- at a detriment to this podcast, but... Um, Let's let's be honest. This podcast is a detriment to this podcast. Um, so for me, I'd have to go C, which is big organization MMA once a month, like UFC Bellator one. I, I think that was how it was back in the old days. Again, I'm, I've not been a fan for like you know ten years or anything, but I guess it used to be MMA like once a month, like a big big fight card, and um, those were the days when when it was like like all you knew all the names. It was like a bunch more close-knit sort of thing and uh that's the if i had to pick obviously i I like the way it is there could be some changes but um i like i I wouldn't mind that if i had to pick one you know 12 big cards a year give me that maybe uh maybe some cross-promotional ones huh all right i love that all right this next question we're now moving on to the twitter forum uh by the way, shout out to Jake from GMMAP. That's uh, at Jake Planet MMA. It's the birthday today, so if you listen to this on Sunday, uh, go give wish Jake a happy birthday. Said, um, how do you see Jeff Neal and Danny Roberts going down? Now, interesting question. Jeff Neal is actually booked against Mike Perry for two forty-five, and I'm fucking really excited for that. Um, but uh, Jeff Neal versus uh, Danny Roberts, also love it. Um, and, uh, for my money, I think Jeff Neal gets it done. You know, I've got to go America on that one. Even though I'm sort of an adopted Brit at this point with how much I love the goddamn UK fighters, but I got to go, got to go with the good old American boy, Jeff Neal 
I, I think he would um I think he'd be a problem for Danny Roberts. Particularly kind of if, especially speaking of Jeff Neal fighting Mike Perry, like a Mike Mike Perry versus Danny Roberts. Um Danny Roberts was I mean obviously Jeff Neal's I think more probably more technical than Mike Perry, but Dan, uh, Danny Roberts was putting it on Mike Perry and then he just sort of like landed this I think it was like a big left hand or something like he, he put him down. So um that's kind of how I feel like that fight would go as well. This next question is from Blurry Derp at Blurry Derp. Said, Who is your squirrel daddy? Well, seeing as you're the only squirrel I know, it's gotta be you. Uh this guy's a great follow, by the way. Check him out, Blurry Derp. Um <laughs> oh, those are the days back in the original Twitter. I remember your old profile, but I'm not gonna call you out on the podcast. But that was a fun that was a fun profile as well. Um this next question is from Ollie Ra. It's at Leg Sweep MMA. Said, should the UFC be under one commission instead of having a different one in each state? Now, this is a very good question, a very interesting question. It's not something that's within their control. But I sort of like when the UFC is the commission when they go overseas and there's no commission. Because um, that can get kind of shady if, you, if you're dealing with like an, an overseas commission. Uh, but as far as within the states, the fact that different states have different commissions and different rules is a fucking problem, dude. Like, that's sort of a problem. That's a flaw in our government, to be honest with you. Um, state, you know, versus federal law. Um, but as far as the commission, the way the commissions are set up, I think they definitely need to do a national commission. Like, that just... It, it has to happen. I mean, they're holding themselves back by not doing it. You know, get under one fucking set of unified rules. You know, do what goddamn Andy Foster is trying to do to, to eliminate weight cutting and add those extra weight classes. Like, they need to all check their fucking egos and get together and make uh, a national commission. It would make everything so much easier. It, it would just, you know, then... Then fucking sanctions would, would not be like... I, I don't know how to how to phrase this. My my words are failing me at the moment. But you know, when, when someone gets sanctioned in a certain commission, they can sort of you know fight in another commission. You know, there, there's not as much like communication between the commissions. So yeah, that I I think yes, basically. But the way it's set up, it's not under their control. This next question is from Hectic One. It's at Hectic underscore One. Hectic is spelled with a K. He says. Would you rather have the power of a 30% Kamaru or a 40% Zabit if you were forced to fight in an underground Russian cage fighting organization? Oh my god, I love this question. Well, we've seen a 30% Kamaru be successful. And I think the 40% Zabit comes from, I think on the broadcast they said that apparently Zabit says he's only showcasing 40% of his... Um, skills, but I don't think that means it's 40% of his, like, I don't think he's giving 40%. I think he just is only showing 40% of the toolbox. That's how I interpreted that anyway. So if that's the case, I guess I would take as a, a 40% is a beat, but if we're talking about 30% like effort or whatever, I think I would take a 30% Kamaru just because of fucking, that's a more proven commodity, I guess. Um, Jesus, this is a hard one to answer even though it's extremely hypothetical. Fuck it. 
I guess it was an, if it was an underground Russian cage fighting situation, I would go to a 40% is a beat because then that, that would force, you know, it, it would be rigged in my benefit and it would be a fucking, the opponents would be like, you know, 30% or below. So yeah, fuck that. Love that question. All right, this next question from Dean Raubs. It's at Raubs Dean, R-A-U-B-S, Dean. It says, what's your thoughts on the possibility of Zabit fighting Max in the future? Well, if you're an Australian listening to this podcast, you're going to think that um, he might fight uh, Volkanovski because Volkanovski is fighting Max for the title later this year. And Zabit basically called it the winner of that. But that aside, let's say they were to fight anyway, like even if Max loses and, and they fight, um, I, th- I think Max takes it, man. Um, Zabit... Um, his best tools are his reach and his range uh, at the moment. And um, Max can sort of match him in that. And I think Max just can put on a pace that'll fucking, you know, not be good for him. Max is more proven in five-round fights. And uh, he's shown that he can fucking... Dude, he submitted Cub Swanson, and Cub Swanson is a black belt. So don't at me if you're a Zabit fan and thinking he can be Max. Don't fucking at me. All right, this next question is from Lil Uzi Horizontal, a.k.a. Genghis Jr. It's at Uzi4Prez, the number four, Prez with a Z. He says, roast the impossible Whopper, please. He said, I see it in every commercial on TV and now on the fucking UFC mat. They try to play it off like, oh, no meat, so it's got to be healthy. When we all know it's healthier to drink out of a septic tank than eat that fucking thing. I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not going to roast it. Because first of all, I tried it and I liked it. Um, I've also had the Impossible Burger at other restaurants. I prefer the Beyond Burger myself, but um, Impossible can be good as well. Actually, my favorite taco place in New York has fucking Impossible Tacos, and that's the shit. But here's the thing. When people think about going to like a plant-based diet or, or cutting out meat, um, the first thought is like, how am I going to get my protein? Like They think of meat replacement foods like that. You don't need to replace meat. You just take it out. You get your protein from fucking other plants. There's plenty of plants filled with protein. There's plenty of another uh, supplements you can get. So you don't need to have stuff like that. That said, um, those are filled with a lot of protein as well. And um, whilst it's not the healthiest thing on the planet, um, I I can see that it's healthier than meat. So um, I know we're going to disagree on that. Um, we're not going to talk about why, but... Um, that's my thing. All right, this next question is from my soul twin. On her last on her last show, when she was reading my question, she was like, my boy. And I was like, yes. This is from Ashley, the MMA nerd. It's at the underscore MMA underscore nerd. Definitely check out her podcast. She said, who is your favorite of the old-timey presidents since you clearly don't like Abraham Lincoln? First of all, I feel attacked. Uh, secondly, I don't hate Abraham Lincoln. I just hate to beat, which I'm actually going to get to in a little bit. But I said I said in an earlier episode of the show, I'm descendant of Andrew Jackson, the seventh president president of the United States, and we all know twenty bucks is better than five. <laughs> Am I right? Uh, so I have to pick my fucking great 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 grandpa. I think it's sixth grades. Um, yeah, good old Grampy Jackson. And then. Um, she said, which actor has given your favorite portrayal of Spider-Man? Now, this is a tough one. 
if we're going off of the product, these new ones with Tom Holland is the best Spider-Man. And it's he still may be the best pick for um, just the individual portrayal of Spider-Man. But I, I did like Andrew Garfield a lot. Um, if you are a fan of Spider-Man and you did not see Andrew Garfield's um, video, he did a Comic-Con when he was first announced he was going to play Spider-Man, go check that shit out. I cry every goddamn time I watch it. He was in like Hall H at the Q&A and he's dressed up as Spider-Man. He comes to like the fan Q&A and they think it's the fan. They don't know it's him. And... They're like, well, excuse me, young man, we're not ready for questions yet. And then he just sort of like hijacks the whole thing. And then he takes off the mask and it's him. And he talks about why he wanted to play Spider-Man. And it's one of the most touching things. I fucking love it. I thought he brought, he brought a great um, energy to that role. But I still probably got to go with Tom Highland, Especially he's the only one that was like an actual goddamn teenager. Um, you know, or at least in that sort of realm. Gotta love that question. All right. And her next question is, is Jacare moving up a good move or one made out of desperation that is bound to end poorly like Weidman Rockhold? Well, I see, I don't know if it's out of desperation, but I will say this, like Jacare, I think before the Hermanson, Hermanson fight said that um, if he doesn't win, he, he would likely retire or or. I think actually, I think what he said was, if I if I win and I don't get a title shot, then I'll retire. That's what I think he said. So already you think in that mindset, if he loses, that he's he's not going to want to contend much longer. So I think it's just a sign for for him that he's just like done at that weight class, and he doesn't want to pursue that anymore. So um, I'm cautiously optimistic about his uh, his move to light heavyweight. Uh, although, like you said, you know, history will tell us that you know, well, I've been a rock hold. Um, and he's fought both of those guys that it might not be good for him. You know, Chago Santos obviously had a great run at light heavyweight coming up from middleweight. Anthony Smith as well. You know, these guys that both kind of had quick pass of the title. Um, so I think he's got a good matchup in in Jan and Bachovitz. So, um, spoiler alert, I'm cautiously optimistic about his return. Or his, um, not ret- I don't know if he's ever fought light heavyweight, his new weight class, let's say. Um, and uh, shouts to Pete Bagels as well. He said a- Abraham was a dank Roman Greco-Roman wrestler. I would love to see proof of that. Also, I don't hate Abraham Lincoln. I just hate Zabit. Next question is from Derek Lewis's Hot Balls at Pixie Dust Twenty Six. Says no word today, and then it says, "What is your opinion about the doctor allowing uh, Roberson to continue the fight, Carl Roberson?" I was so happy. I was so happy. I was like, if they stop this fight, I'm going to be so mad. Well, actually, in that case, it probably wouldn't have been, it would have been um, a fucking DQ win for him, uh, like a, a a DQ loss for uh, the other guy, Noho Hank uh, Barry, R- Russian Noho Hank <laughs> from Barry. Um, so I was, I was really happy. Obviously, he, he, he got the win. And that cheating fuck came after him and he choked him the fuck out. Dude, I was so happy for Carl Robertson. That was an awesome fucking fight, dude. Awesome fight. Uh, Next question is from Matai Stevenson. Love this guy. Um, The Stevenson with a PH. And it says, The Beast is fun and all, but there's no chance he beats Max. 
his cardio won't hold and he will get boxed up. Main question is, does Max UD him or get the finish? First of all, I agree. I think it'll be a, just a good um, unanimous decision. Uh, I think Zabit's best chance of winning that fight is by a finish. I just don't see him finishing Max. Um, that said, I also want to give credit to Zabit. I don't think Max is going to finish him. Um, unless he wear... You know, if his cardio fails him, he could definitely wear him out. And um, maybe get a TKO finish late in the fourth or fifth round. But um, to be honest, whilst I do hate Zabit, uh, or at least I'm being a hater at the moment. I don't hate him, but I'm being a hater at the moment um, of him. Uh, I think he's technical enough to get on his bike and and just sort of like avoid some damage during those later rounds and he'll probably go the distance. All right. This next question is from bearded stoner at bearded stoner 88. He says, what's your unbiased opinion on Hardy? It's clear he is getting better in my opinion and just went three rounds with a killer who picked him apart, but didn't finish him. Do we see him fight Lewis next? All right. Here's the thing, dude. And I don't want to sound like I'm, um, attacking this guy so i love this guy dude if you got you got to follow him he's a great follow um especially if you're a stoner as well because he's obviously a stoner and likes to kind of build that community as well of mma fan stoners i am not interested in any sort of intelligent unbiased discussions about greg hardy i'm just not the dude is a piece of human garbage and he is, he is getting better a little bit, but I, I think it's blown out of proportion. And the reason why I think he's getting better is just because he's so new in his training that he's going to get better. Like, undoubtedly. Do I think he got better since the last fight? No, it, it was too short. Uh, but he also had, a, a, you know, I think the short notice caused him to just fire more. So any sort of perceived improvement is just the the late notice taking its effect um you know and uh, also step up in competition like you know he kind of rose to the occasion in a sense so um i don't think he's getting better and i'm not um interested in in that um talk i i'm, ju- I'm just not and here's why I was, I was debating whether I was going to save this for other questions, but, you know, it's, t- it's time to bring this up in the podcast. For anyone who hasn't heard it, you know, I don't know who needs to hear this, but if you just heard about Greg Hardy's past and you're willing to give him a second chance, the man has had a third, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth chance. The dude has had so many chances and I'm just done with him. So I pull up this old article. This is from July 10th, 2015. And it's just titled the timeline of events in Greg Hardy case. And I love to credit the writer, but it just says ESPN.com staff. So it says on the heels of the NFL's announcement that Dallas Cowboys defensive end Greg Hardy's suspension has been reduced from 10 games to four. Here's a timeline of the domestic abuse case that involved Hardy and the NFL's responses. Data are from ESPN Stats and Information. April 22, 2015. Commissioner Roger Goodell suspends Hardy for the first 10 games of the 2015 regular season in a letter that warned another similar violation of the personal conduct policy could result in banishment from the league. 
Then from there, it goes back and then moves forward chronologically. May 13th, 2014. According to the testimony of Hardy's former girlfriend, 24-year-old Nicole Holder, Hardy, on the night of May 13th, flung her from a bed, threw her into a bathtub, then tossed her onto a futon covered with rifles. Holder said Hardy, who then played playing for the uh, Carolina Panthers, ripped off a necklace he had given her, threw it into the toilet, and slammed the lid on her arm when she tried to retrieve it. She said Hardy dragged her by the hair room to room, then put his hands around her throat. Quote, He looked me in my eyes and he told me he was going to kill me, Holder said. She said Hardy then made a 911 call and lied when he... Uh, said she had attacked him with a high heel and may have been high on cocaine. When authorities arrived, Hardy was arrested. July 15, 2014. Hardy is convicted by a judge of assaulting Holder. Hardy says he never laid a hand on Holder. His attorney described Holder as an erratic young woman desperate to be back at Hardy's side and in the limelight. He said, she was high on hours of drinking and buzzing on cocaine when she flew into a jealous rage after Hardy told her to leave the apartment. Immediately after the conviction, his attorneys announced that Hardy would exercise his right under North Carolina law to appeal the conviction. Sidebar, you should look up that law um, because North Carolina is one of the only states that allows sort of appeal like that. And that's why, as we're going to see, why he uh, was able to continue. And the reason he's not behind bars. September 15th, 2014. After playing for the Panthers in week one, Hardy is deactivated uh, against the Detroit Lions. September 17th, 2014. Hardy agrees to be placed on the commissioner's exempt list. He continues to draw his salary of $13.1 million. February 9th, 2015. Charges against Hardy are dismissed after the accuser failed to show for court. In the dismissal form, the prosecutor stated, For the past several months, the alleged victim, Nicole Holder, has made herself completely unavailable to the Mecklenburg District Attorney's Office. The state further has reliable information that Ms. Holder has received a civil settlement, settlement from the defendant, a.k.a. was paid off. The state reviewed the interview of Ms. Holder on the day of the incident and compared her statement against the transcript of the trial conducted in district court. In comparing the prior statement with Ms. Holder's district court testimony, the state concluded that, in her absence, it did not have sufficient legal basis upon which to introduce the initial statement she provided to law enforcement. March 4, 2015. Hardy meets with league officials to make his case to come off the commissioner's exempt list and immediately be reinstated. In the meeting, Hardy turns over documents from his legal case. March 10, 2015. Hardy becomes a free agent. March 18, 2015, Hardy signs a one-year, $11.3 million contract with the Cowboys. April 2, 2015, Hardy is suspended without pay for the first 10 games of the 2015 season in relation to the domestic abuse case. May 28, 2015, arbitrator Harold Henderson hears Hardy's appeal. July 10, 2015, NFL announces Hardy's suspension has been reduced by Henderson from 10 games to 4. I am not interested in giving this man a second chance. I'm just not. You can talk about, you know, 
taking away a man's right to earn earn money. Work at fucking McDonald's, dude. I don't give a fuck. I'm not crying crying that you you're uh, lost your ability to earn millions of dollars. Give a fuck. Toil away like the rest of us. If a, if a regular dude was involved in that kind of thing, he'd be behind bars. It's his fucking stature and his ability to his athleticism that people are fawning over that are they're keeping him around. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. And I, I didn't want to do this. Uh, the timing of that is, is very bad. I'm sorry, a bearded stoner. You're my dude. I love you. Uh, it just it seemed like the best time to bring it up because you asked that question. Um, so my unbiased opinion on Hardy is that I don't have an unbiased opinion because I'm extremely biased. He's a piece of shit. You want to talk about an unbiased opinion, he's he's not a good fighter either. You know, he should have been toiling away on the regional scene if he wants to be a fighter. You know, he, he was brought on way too quickly. You know, he should be toiling away on the regional scene, working out these kinks. So you can talk about him uh, improving, but it, it shouldn't be happening on the biggest stage. It just shouldn't. Better question from him also. Says, do you think, and I didn't mean better questions and that wasn't a bad question. I just meant a more lighthearted one. Um, so do you think the reasons a beat loves striking is because he doesn't have the cardio to grapple like his fellow countrymen? I like that, dude. I love that. Um, perhaps, but I also will say this about Zabit. Um, you know, he apparently like grew up in like, he went to school somewhere in Russia where they like trained MMA in school. Like they trained wrestling, they trained Taekwondo and they just trained all different kind of martial arts. So I think he just excels in the, in the striking more so than wrestling, but he has good wrestling too. Uh, it just feels like the the all the other Dagestan fighters, they came from a wrestling base and then just like learned to strike to implement their takedowns and like submissions. Uh, but Zabit just has uh, everything. As much as I don't want to compliment him, I think that's the main reason. Uh, but um, I like your style of saying it's because of his cardio. All right. Uh, next question is from G from Woe TV. At G from Woe TV, she says, "Do you think Greg Hardy is genuinely improving, or are his fans delusional and drinking Greg Hardy Kool Aid like some thirst traps?" <laughs> yes, Queen. Yes, absolutely love that energy. Um, here's the thing: if you want to say objectively, which again I'm not really interested in doing, but if you want to say objectively, he is improving a little. That's just because he's bound to improve at this stage in his career. You know, he he's improving a little bit, but he's not like to me. You want to talk about real improvement? Israel Adesanya improved every step of the way in every one of his UFC fights, and he's a guy who has like over seventy plus like you know fights in combat sports between boxing and kickboxing. You know, here's a guy who um, is still improving later in his uh, life of of studying martial arts. So. That's that's real improvement as far as I'm concerned. Um, that's just sort of um, coincidental improvement. All right, this next question is from Raging Sweet Potato at Rage underscore Potato underscore 902. It's 902. It says, who are your fa- uh, top three favorite referees and why? Um, I have to say this, and this is not in any order. Um, George Allen. This is the dude that um, uh, took a point. Uh, I think it was from Zalim. It was in the Max Griffin fight at uh, UFC 236. Um, took away a point immediately from cage grabbing. 
Uh, I think it was from cage grabbing or fence grabbing or whatever you want to call it. Love that guy. Plus his personality. And I love the fucking nickname that Daniel Cormier gave him, Swaggy G. We need more of him, dude. We need more of him. And the other one is, I want to say his name, Brian Miner. This is the gentleman that refereed the Molly McCann fight uh, last last outing uh, with her and De- Deanna Bobita. Dude, same thing. Same energy. And now that took a point, he, he reset them because the, the uh, fighter that got fouled on had a dominant position. Fucking love that, dude. It was amazing. And then lastly, uh, one that doesn't get credited enough is uh, Jason Herzog. Um, I can't think of many times he's made a mistake. And he's been uh, he's been refing you know, main events. And he's a little-ass dude, but he he gets in there, dude. Um, I mean, little, he's not a little-ass dude, but a little compared to some of the other ones. Um, you know. And he's not one of those, like, he, he hasn't been given a cool nickname, like, no-nonsense Keith Peterson, or doesn't have a cool mustache like Mike Beltran. So people don't think of him a lot, but Jason Herzog is, is doing doing the damn thing. And now I kind of purposely picked more well uh, or lesser known referees for that. But um, if you want to talk about otherwise, you know, I would shout out Dan Mergliata, Herb Dean, Mike Beltran. You know, those are the the fucking OGs. Josh Rosenthal as well. Um, he fucking, that marijuana charge is bullshit. So I'm glad to see him back doing the damn thing again. Mark Smith is another good referee. You know who I'll never put on this list? Todd Anderson. Fuck out of here, Todd Anderson. All right. This next one is from Cyrus King. Love this man. Uh, At Cyrus King. If you don't follow him, you need to. Um, He's he's just full of positivity, full of great posts and and good interactions. And um, I want to say this. We all turned on him when he pulled out of UFC Boston and then was rebooked for UFC Moscow just later on. If it's not the pulling out, dude, at least for me. Like if he just pulled out like, yeah, I was I was disappointed, but I was like, okay, heal up. I want you healthy. Do do your thing. But then it was rebooked later in his fucking home country? No. No. I don't buy that, dude. There's some shady shit going on and for me like and here's the other thing, and this is not this is less so on my part, but a lot of MMA fans, they love to see a hype train derailed. So, like, the same reason why everyone was hating on Johnny Walker. Like, yeah, there was pro- there's probably more people on the Johnny Walker hype train, but there, there are so many people willing to to tear him down. Like, w- w- whenever a, a fighter... We love to build them up, but we love to tear them down, dude. So um, that's part of it. But I, I also wanted to take this opportunity to give you all a list of some of my most hated fighters right now. And I use the word hate lightly. I've said, I've said often on this show and on Twitter... Yeah, it's great to support your favorite fighters. It's great to um, to to like certain fighters. But have you ever tried hating one? Mmm, I love it. It's so it just fills me with so much fucking like. Yes, I, I I can't I can't not do that. As much as I try and promote positivity, and you know I do, I also. Like to fucking throw shade on these motherfuckers. So we're going to uh, throw some shade on these motherfuckers right now. And this is in no particular order except for the first one. Number one of all time. Luke Rockhold. If you know me, you know I hate this man. And let me tell you why. 
Luke Rockhold fought Chris Wyman at UFC 194. Chris Wyman, who's an All-American, who's a family man. Chris uh, Chris Wyman dethroned the middleweight king, Anderson Silva. I wanted Chris Wyman to win so badly. I was rooting for him so hard. And here comes Luke Rockhold. And I'm watching it, by the way, with my with my now wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, and my best friend Leo and his girlfriend Kayla. And um, I, I don't know if... And, and oh, also with my sister and her friend Haley. And both my sister and her friend and Kayla were rooting for Luke Rockhold. I can't remember if my wife also was, but they were like, I'm voting with my vagina. Luke Rockhold is hot. And I wanted him to lose so badly because of that. I was like, dude, a pretty ass motherfucker, an entitled piece of shit who grew up with a silver spoon in his mouth. I want him to fucking just get embarrassed. And what did he do? You know that. He beat Chris Wyman. Is that salty of me? Yes. Do I care? No. But it doesn't stop there. He gets on the mic. After, after, like, just... Like a fucking, I don't know what that performance was. Um, yeah, it was a dominant performance over Wyman, but in my opinion, he, he could have finished that fight earlier. Um, again, I'm being a little salty there. But he gets in the mic, he's like, I'm just so happy, you know. I had a, a staph infection two weeks ago. <laughs> I was like, dude, shut the fuck up. No one wants to hear about that. And then, of course, his next fight was against my man, Bisping. I was campaigning for that fight so hard. And the way he was like, Saying that he was offered other fights, and he was like, "No, I wanted, I wanted Bisping because that's an easy fight. I want to make him my bitch again." I was livid, dude. And when I saw that fight, I was live uh, in attendance at UFC 199 in the Forum in Inglewood. I was surrounded by Luke Rockhold fans. As a matter of fact, in the section over, there was a guy who had one of those. Big, like, uh, like cardboard heads of Luke Rockhold, the one that's like the same size as you, whatever, so you can see it from the fucking, like, probably on camera or whatever. Dude, when Bisping knocked him the fuck out, Leo and I, who was with me, jumped up, embraced each other so hard to the Leo kind of initiated. He, like, smushed my glasses. I was like, oh my God, oh my God, stop. You're breaking my fucking glasses. But we were so goddamn happy. The place erupted. Which, by the way, that night is was one of the nights I realized that I'm a bad luck charm for Ariel Hawani. And um, if anyone wants to ask about that, I'll answer that question later, but now it's at the time. Um, so Luke Rockhold, number one, hate a fighter of all time. I will never go back on that. And in his later years, or in his later part of his career, when he's been just getting knocked out, I'm just I'm not interested in seeing him fight again. Um, but I'm also not interested in, in seeing him succeed at anything. So yeah. All right, number two, Colby Covington. Now I know it's a gimmick. I know he wants me to hate him, and I don't think that makes you a, a smart fan for not hating him because of that. Uh, to me, he's a fucking asshole. When, in, especially in that last press conference when he said that uh, whatever he said about Glenn Robinson, who was Kamaru Usman's former, like, I don't know if it was his former manager or whatever. He was the guy that founded the Black Zillions, and, which Kamaru trained out of. And um, he said that he's, like, watching you from hell or something. Dude, go fuck yourself. You're a piece of shit. 
especially with Jorge saying that he didn't pay his coach after the RDA fight. Fuck you. Fuck anyone who looks like you. Number three, Henry Cejudo. This is another one. Again, I know it's a gimmick, but I've never been a fan of this guy, dude. I've never been a fan of this guy, even before the gimmick. When he fucking was fighting Mighty Mouse the first time, this is what this is well before the gimmick, dude. He went on the fucking on the countdown show. He was like what studying tape with his with his uh with his coaches and he was like, How do you kill a mouse? You set traps. You're watching UFC Countdown. I was like, oh, fuck you, dude. Fuck you. Plus, if you hear um, Dominic Cruz talk about how they knew each other in the wrestling scene and Henry was, like, pampered and everyone, like, um, was, like, fawning over his, like, athletic ability, I've never wanted to see Henry Cejudo win. I've never wanted to see him win. Uh, Number four, Macy Barber. She's a bully. I don't like Macy Barber at all. She looks like What's her name? Bad Babby or that Cash Me Outside girl. Fuck you, Macy Barber. Number five, Marvin Vittori. Now, you may you may ask yourself why. You may be listening to this podcast, and you might not know who Marvin Vittori is. Well, let me tell you. Marvin Vittori fought Israel Adesanya in what I believe was Israel's second UFC fight. He took him to a split decision. After every fight he's had... He has said, you know, I got a split decision loss to Israel Asanya. You know, one of the judges thought I won. He's clung to that as if it was a fucking dominant victory or something. Go away, Marvin Vittori. Actually, I remember, this is like a side note. I remember the night that, that fight, um, or maybe it was when it was announced. Um, I remember Kaposa had tweeted out, um, shout out to Kaposa, it's at Grabaka Hitman on Twitter. Um, he tweeted out, um, something to the, to the effect of, I trust Vittori knows his brown belt will not be needed or something like that. You know, brown belt in jiu-jitsu, meaning don't fucking try and take him down and submit him. Just let Izzy do his thing. And that's exactly what we got. Oh, he did. He did try and fucking take him down, but we saw Izzy get back up. Ha. Fuck you, Marvin Vittori. And while I'm dishing out fuck yous, fuck you, Yair Rodriguez. You know, just go listen to the, what was it? Episode 26 of this podcast. It's whatever's titled Oi Me Voy Yair, where I fucking sang Juanes, and I, I told it exactly my message to Yair. Ponte un chaleco con bolsillos y haz una caminata. Put on a vest with pockets and take a hike. I'm done with Yair Rodriguez. I'm done with you. After that fucking eye poke situation in, in Mexico City and the way you acted, calling Bisping Puto, fuck you. All right. That brings me to my next one. Zabit Magomed Sheripov. Now, I already explained earlier. Uh, you know, he's on my list right now. And if he redeems himself, he can come off the list because I was a fan before that. You know? Um, so, definitely, he, he's on the list for pulling out of UFC Boston and not and not, and not not being willing to accept a five-round main event. Fuck out of here with that. But I don't know whether to blame him or Ali. Which, actually, if you're managed by Ali... Aside from a few people, I probably hate you as well. Because um, Ali is a piece of shit. All right. Paulo Costa. Now, I've always said to Paulo Costa that he was a, a so overblown, such a fucking, I don't know, pretty ass motherfucker. That guy uh, can just go away. 
I don't even at this point I don't even have like a rational explanation for why. I just I just don't like the guy. He can just fucking go away. All right, next up on the list, John Jones. Now, if you're asking yourself why, you're listening to the wrong podcast. I have never said a positive thing about John Jones in life. I don't give a fuck if he's considered by some people the GOAT. I don't consider, I don't care if he's pound for pound number one. I don't care if he's uh, undefeated uh, except for a DQ loss. First of all, there's more than one way to lose a fight, and disqualification is one of them. Let's get that out of the, uh, off the bat right now. Number two, um, I don't care about your in-cage performances. If outside of the cage, you're a piece of shit and a drug cheat, uh, you're a piece of shit and a drug cheat, and I'm not going to be a fan of you. And speaking of pieces of shit, you know Greg Hardy made the list. And um, we already know why. And again, if you're wondering why, you listen to the wrong podcast, especially since I said it earlier in this episode. All right, next up, Rumble Johnson. Now, I had to put him on the list because... It's too many people saying, um, you know, oh, you hate Greg Hardy for the domestic violence. We'll keep that same energy for Rumble. So I guess I got to do that. But for the most, here's why he made the list, actually, because I'll admit that I did not know about his past with domestic violence until recently when the uh, recent thing came out. Um, And I talked about it earlier on in the podcast. Um, it, it was kind of uh, driven by surprise that apparently he had an issue with in, in 2009. So before that, I was a fan of his. Um, so to me, like when people were saying, well, oh, keep the same energy, I was like, wait, what are you talking about? Like, I'm not, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, but now that that's come out, I'm kind of, I'm fucking, I'm done with him. But not only this as well, he's managed by Ali now. And um, in this whole like dominance MMA, like media tour that they did recently, which was just a fucking shit show. I mean, let's be honest. That was a fucking disaster. Um, he said Ali was his dude because he punched Malky or, or something like that. Uh, or, or was it Abe or something like he kind of like, you know, Oh, he's a gangster or whatever. Like to me, like that's fucking condoning, like, I don't know, shitty behavior. So for that, fuck you, Rumble Johnson. And my last fuck you goes to TJ Dillashaw. Now, I've also never liked TJ. Um, stemming back to the Ultimate Fighter, probably, when he was determined to be a, a snake in the grass. We all know about that. But then this whole EPL thing came out as well. Dude, fuck you. First of all, also fuck him for... He wanted to fight Mighty Mouse um, when he... Uh, couldn't get the... Or he was scheduled to fight TJ... Or sorry, he is TJ. He's going to fight Cody at 213, and Cody had to pull out because of a back injury. Um, he had needed surgery. And so he's like, oh, fuck it. If I can't get the 35 shot, oh, let me go down and fight Mighty Mouse. And the way he fucking acted in that, super childish. Uh, so fuck you, TJ Dillashaw. And uh, I guess that's my list now. It's an ever-growing list. And like I said, this can change. Some people have gone off the list, come off, come back on. You know, it's, a, it's an ever-growing list. But uh, thank you, Cyrus, for the question. All right, this next question is from LF, it's Trans LFC, and the handle is at LFC Trans. Big supporter of the show. He said, what's next for gobshite Greg Hardy? Long-time listener, zero-time caller, because he's never sent in a voice message. Well, let's hear that fucking Schaus accent, mate. Send one in, please. Um, uh, also, I love that guy. Um, what's next for gobshite Greg Hardy? Derek Lewis. Or... 
as I said last time, Curtis Blades. Let him take him down and smother the fucking guy. You know what I wouldn't hate either? Alexia Linick. I mean, he did get fucking brutalized by... Uh, what's the name? Walt Harris? Like in like 12 seconds. But if he can recover, that dude normally has a good chin... And he can get submissions from anywhere. If he just fucking strangles the fuck out of Greg Hardy, I'll be so happy. All right, this next question is from It's Jamie, but without swearing. The handle is It's Jamie, but nice. It says, have you played Breath of Wild? Hashtag fudge Greg Hardy. I have played Breath of Wild. Um, it's one of the reasons why I'm getting a Nintendo Switch. Um, it's awesome. I've always been a fan of the Zelda games. Going back to... Um, Game Boy and um, SNES. So, for me, it's it's definitely it's definitely one of the best. God, I love it, love it so much. All right, and uh, oh, this next question is from Gino Peppers. It's at Gino Peppers. He says, every time I picture Russian fighters training, I think of Fedor videos with a hundred guys training in squalor, and imagine they are mentally hungrier than most. But it seemed like athleticism and power erased that yesterday. Are they done, or will they still make a big impact? You know, good question. Uh, I don't think they're done. I think this is just a bad a night of bad style matchups. Um, you know, there were a few uh, successful Russian fighters. I, I mentioned uh, Magomed Ankalaev, or I didn't mention, rather. Um, I should have brought up Magomed Ankalaev, because that was a, a fucking nasty KO, that front kick. Oh, my God. So he was successful. And, um, yeah, I think I was thinking about this actually, cause the UFC wouldn't go to Russia for a long time cause, um, they just didn't have the roster, I think. And then they, they kind of announced somewhat of a co-promotion with M1, which was actually big. And, um, I just imagined those like meetings going down and someone in the Russian government or some, someone being like, you have to have our fighters win. You have to give the good matchup. You have to make Russia win. We will pay the judges. We will do anything. And then being like, no, fuck you. And so I think they had to like do that initially and have like show success and then kind of um, flip the dime now. Although it's MMA. Anything can fucking happen. All right. Um, next question is from Joe Blogs 74 um, He says... What do you think of Corey's 10G fine? Fair or not? And I think it's absolutely fair. People are saying, and I, I made a couple tweets about this. People are saying, oh, just fine 10G for the celebration. It was not for the celebration, dude. It was because he manhandled that ref. You don't do that. The bottom line, don't touch the fucking ref. That's it. It, it was, he was just a petulant child. Yes, the fans have underestimated you guess what we underestimate a lot of fighters it's what mma fans do jesus uh, no you should have got to find more to be honest with you sort of a weird note to end the segment but those are all the questions i have so thanks uh, everyone for participating in the forum again if i missed your question send me a dm i don't want to miss any we're going to get all these questions in whenever we can so um yeah, send them in any time as well. You can DM me. You can also email the podcast, fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. 
video questions are welcome, even though I won't actually play the video. But I'm just going to get the audio on there, obviously. And uh, yeah, thank you, everybody. So let's um, end this segment real quick, and we're going to move on to a preview for UFC Sao Paulo. Nope, I lied. We have one last-minute submission to the forum before I give my breakdown on UFC Sao Paulo. And it comes from Oli Ra, Lake Sweep MMA. He says, Would you be interested in seeing an MMA Olympics of some kind where each country puts together a team to compete against other countries? Yes and no. One of the things I like most about MMA is that it's kind of nationalistic, that there's like pride of different countries kind of going against each other. And the whole team aspect, I don't necessarily like... I'm I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I would be interested in some sort of MMA event, maybe call it the MMA Olympics, where different countries, let's say they take their best striker, their best wrestler, their best jiu-jitsu player, uh, the best boxer, and do like an Olympic-style bracket that way that would be kind of interesting to see what country has the best striking or what country has the best wrestling what country has the best jiu-jitsu like that would be so interesting to me and then maybe the winner like for the gold medal you have to have an MMA fight to see if you can put those skills together that's actually a really good idea and that was a great question I saw it just before I was moving on, so I wanted to include that in the segment. So now this concludes the forum, and we're going to move on to UFC Sao Paulo. All right, next weekend, it's going down November 16th. It's my sister's birthday, but I'm going to be watching these fights. Mostly because I'm on the East Coast and my sister's on the West Coast. But there are a few uh, notable fights on the prelims I wanted to talk about. Um... We got Worley Alves taking on Randy Brown. And this is a fun-ass fight. Um, last time we saw Randy Brown, he had an absolute banger with uh, Brian Barberena. And before that, he was brutally KO'd by Nico Price with hammer fists from the bottom. Still one of the, one of the most insane knockouts. Um, and then Re- Worley Alves was actually finished very quickly by James Krause recently. I don't know if that was his last fight, but it was definitely recently. Might have been James Krause's last fight. And he's also fighting in this card. But um, Worley Alves is one of those guys that um, coming in, we all thought he was going to be champion. Um, He has uh, a win over Colby Covington, who's fighting for the title. Kind of interesting. And I think it's just going to be a fun fight. Um, Two strikers with good jiu-jitsu. Um... Going to see if uh, who can implement their game plan. It's going to be a really fun fight. Of course, Randy Brown's going to the Warley's backyard. And then we got Francisco Trinaldo versus Bobby Green, which is a really fun fight to me. Um, I love Bobby Green. I've said on this show before anyone that um, uh, fought on Bully Beatdown, I always uh, will support. Bobby Green's episode of Bully Beatdown, he fucking made the guy quit. It was awesome. It was this fucking, like, douchey guy, this white guy that thought he was a rapper, 
and he had made a whole song about fucking being on the show. It was so funny. And uh, Bobby Green tossed him around like a because in Bully Beatdown they didn't they never did just MMA because they couldn't I think they couldn't sanction it. They had like a three minute grappling match with like just submissions only, and they had a three minute kickboxing match is what they they did. And Bobby Green fucking threw him around like a rag doll and i i can't remember if they he even made it to the kickboxing or if he quit in the middle but he was like that man is a weapon i i, I, I am not fucking around with that or something it was so funny dude uh so i was love bobby green he's also got some interesting interviews like he only likes to interview with ariel um and he just says some weird shit sometimes um but he's all, all, always a fun fighter to watch and Francisco Trinaldo got, I th- probably got robbed in his last fight against um, Alex Hernandez. Is it Alex Hernandez the guy that um, got murked by Cowboy? You know. Um, but moving on from that, last fight in the prelims I want to talk about is Sergio Moraes versus the aforementioned James Krause. James Cross is a, a fun guy to watch. Interacted with him a couple times on Instagram. Um, really cool guy who has a, a gym out in Kansas City. Um, trains uh, Tim Elliott and uh, Zach Cummings. Good team up there. And Megan Anderson as well. So a uh, great, great group of guys there. And um, I like this fight. Um, James Cross is uh, moving up from lightweight, going to, staying a welterweight. So uh, really, really excited for this fight. And uh, that concludes the prelims. Now, the main card, my picks are subject to change. I could be changing this based on this five-pick championship. But for now, we're going to go with these. Um, first up is taking on uh, Marcus Perez versus Wellington Terman. I talked about Wellington earlier. He had uh, a fight with Carl Roberson that I thought was a, a nice uh, nice fight. I believe he was making his UFC debut. Lost by split decision, so one judge thought he won. But it was a fun fight, and I th- I think based on that, um, I think he's going to do well in the UFC. They saying on Marcus Perez, um, for some reason I always I want to call this guy the Brazilian Mike Perry. I feel like he just he kind of has a similar style, and he kind of like I don't know some something about him reminds me of Mike Perry, and I don't know why. Maybe it's just the initials, like Mike Perry, Marcus Perez, but um, always always kind of funky. I got Wellington in this one. I think Wellington's going to get it done here. I don't know why. I just have a feeling. And then next up, we got Antonio Arroyo versus Andrew Muniz. And I went back and forth on this a lot. I feel like this this uh, this fight is kind of a coin flip. So I flipped the coin, and the coin said Arroyo. Just because I like his name, Antonio Arroyo. I lied about flipping a coin, obviously. Um but the next one is, to me, equally hard to pick, and that is Charles Oliveira versus Jared Gordon. I like Jared Gordon a lot. And, um, you know, whenever I listen to the uh, MMA Marks podcast, they always try and throw shade on me for standing Roxy. And so I'm going to throw shade a Buddy for standing Charles Oliveira right now. That's one of his favorite guys to watch. And I think Jared Gordon's going to beat the piss out of Charles Oliveira. How do you like that, buddy? Love you. But fucking fuck Charles Oliveira. And you know what as well that's making me choose this? Charles Oliveira fought Paul Felder. 
and Paul Felder knew the recipe to fucking beating him. And Paul Felder trained to Jared Gordon. I think he's going to get him ready for this fight, especially Duke Rufus having cornered against him now. They kind of know his game and where Jared can be successful. And Jared looked really good in his last fight, so I think he's going to carry that momentum, and he's going to beat Charles Oliveira. Now, the next one I feel really bad about is Paul Craig versus Mauricio Shogun Hua. Now, a lot of you guys just call him Shogun, but his real name is Mauricio. And I know that, well, I mean, I obviously just knew that anyway, but I always remember it when every time uh, Mauro Ranallo mentions him from having commentated his fights in Pride, he always says, Mauricio Shogun Hua. Um, always says the full name and the nickname, which is just so classic Mauro. I love Mauro. He's my favorite. And um, I like Shogun in this fight because I think Paul Craig's wins uh, come from him being able to, like, just take a beating and then get a last-minute submission uh, out, out of nowhere. And I don't see him submitting Shogun. Um, now, Shogun has been in a lot of fucking wars, dude. He has been in a lot of wars. But um, I don't think he's done yet. I don't think he's done. Um, I also, like I said, I do like Paul Craig, but um, and it, it seems like every time I pick against him, he surprises me. And every time I pick him, he loses. So this is one of those, I'm picking Shogun. But if Paul Craig wins because of me picking Shogun, I'll be happy for Paul Craig. Otherwise, Team Shogun, baby. And now we get the main event. This is, a, this is a challenging one for me to pick as well. We got Jan Bohovitz taking on Ronaldo Jacare Souza. I feel like whenever a Brazilian says his name, they're always like, Jacare, like it's all drawn out. Jacare. Uh, but uh, I've always been a fan of Jacare, man. Um, he's one of those jujitsu guys that can actually wrestle, which is helpful in implementing his game plan. And um, the only time I've seen him look like bad is against Robert Whitaker, and that wasn't really him looking bad. That was more so Whitaker looking good. Um I take that back. Hermanson made him made him look not bad, but he never really got going in that fight. Um, and Hermanson almost submitted him. Now, Jacare might say that probably wasn't as close as we all thought it was, um, but it just it looked like he had it in tight. But that's that goes to show uh, Jacare's fucking prowess on the ground. That's his world. Um, And Bahovitz, before um, his last fight, was not really known as a contender. He had put together a decent win streak, and then um, Thiago Santos stopped him. And then he bounced back, and then he got a fight against Luke Rockhold, which, like I said, him beating Rockhold was not a sign of um, Jan being like a world beater. It's a sign of Rockhold being fucking done. Uh, and I, but I almost picked him. In fact, I'm looking at my notes. I wrote it down. I wrote down I'm going to pick Jan. But I'm going to flip the script here. I'm going Jacare. I think the omen of uh, of like middleweights moving up to light heavyweight. 
I think I think I like him to break the streak here, like of uh, fucking Wyman and Rockle going up. I like him to break the streak here, um, and I like that. Um, like I said, he can wrestle to get his game plan going. Jan has shown a little bit of weakness there. Um, Gustafson took him down when they fought, and you know what? Also, going back to what I said about the Donkey Show podcast, saying that whole curse of calling out John Jones, the fact that Jan seems to be gearing up for this John Jones fight, I think is going to fall victim to that curse. So I got Jacare in this fight. So just to break it down again, I got Wellington Terman to defeat Marcus Perez, Antonio Arroyo to defeat Andrew Muniz. I've got Jared Gordon to beat Charles Oliveira. Fuck you, buddy. I've got Shogun Hua beating Paul Craig, and I've got Ronaldo Jacare Souza beating Jan Blahovich. How do you like them apples? And I guess that concludes our podcast for today, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for uh, riding this ride with me. You can, fo- you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at FWM underscore pod. Of course, you can always send uh, questions to the podcast anytime to the email fightingwithmyselfpod at gmail.com. Uh, that's how you can contact me for business inquiries as well. And um, yeah, send in a voice question anytime by uh, using the Anchor app. It's pretty simple. Just ask anyone who's done it. They say it's the most simple thing on the planet. And uh, I also want to always uh, end the show with uh, anyone struggling with any mental health issues, depression, anxiety. Um, please feel free to reach out. And if you're listening also and you think you see someone else that might be going through that, reach out to them because they, they may not be able to reach out. Um, otherwise, let's try and be positive online because it's a fucking toxic place. And see you next week.